for the longest time. Like, okay, so after <laughs> after I proposed, um, we were just playing the waiting game. When Amir came back, he thought he was going back within a week. A couple weeks went by, and we were together. And I had kind of resolved myself just to enjoy it, just to have fun. Um, and Amir the same. And there were times where it was really, really, really good, like fantastic. <laughs> um, but I could tell that it was getting to Amir. He would wake up in the middle of the night gasping for air. Um, he could go into panic attacks where I just have to like, just be there with him. I would like, if it was in the daytime or if it was like, you know, we were together, I would kind of hold him or just talk to him and tell him, hey, I'm here. I'd have him repeat things back to me just to kind of draw him out of wherever it was his mind was going. But it was like he was somewhere, he would go somewhere else and he would, you know, hyperventilate. Sometimes he would just cry uncontrollably. Um, he would shake furiously. And it was really, it was really hard to watch. It was really, really hard to watch. All over, knowing that his dad was coming and knowing that we were going to tell him. Amir was going to tell him that he wasn't going anywhere. That he was staying with me. And like I said, I was I was okay. There were and I'm, I'm I I probably shouldn't have led with that because I make it sound like it was this big dramatic thing and it was all terrible and it was not like we were having a lot of fun. We were having a lot of fun and Sam and 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 Sam and James would have us over. Um, we had dinner a lot. They were getting to know him really well. Things were going so well. But I notice, like, when Amir's around other people, he's fine. But if it was just us or just him by himself, he could go into some places that were not cool. And so I'd wait. And sometimes I'd try to talk him through it. Try to get him to... But how do you do that when... Well, how do you reason with your brain when it's your brain the one that's creating the fantasies, when it's your brain the one that's betraying you, when it's your brain that is responsible for your fear? But he would calm down, and usually I'd hold him. A lot of times when he was going through it, like, he didn't want me to, like, touch him. But he would calm down, and we'd get through it. Okay, so work <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my goodness um I thought listen I thought it was I didn't really know what to expect I thought I'd do you know I thought it would just be oh I'm managing the managers of the other clubs in my district which is true which is true I just didn't really know what that meant and um I went through the corporate training in like a day, which isn't really, it's like 
you know, a bunch of modules and you sit down and you go through the computer, how to handle this, how to handle that. And then there's an extensive like months and months long training about sexual harassment and all this other kind of stuff that goes with the job and like compliance for all of the employees and making sure everybody, but it's nothing that, it's nothing that, it's nothing that's so outside of what I was doing as a GM. It was just, it's just that it's at a a much grander scale. The other thing (laughs) I was talking to Michael, from my old club, he really wants to become a GM. And I was like, hmm, hmm. And I had to think about it. And when I had to think about it, he got like pissed. I was like, he started talking crazy to me. And I was like, bro, we're friends. But I know you, like, I know you. And because I know you, and just because, you know, you and me, made up and you and me are cool and on good terms I know how you are around other people you have to improve (laughs) a lot I could not just hire you and put you in a position of leadership and you're talking to people the way that you talk to people at the club like that's not good anyway not to get into it but he understood and he was like dang you're you're hella cold the job's changed you and I was like when have I not told you this stuff When have we not had these discussions, even when you were sales and I was front desk? Like, I'm always, I've been the same person. And you know this. And anyway, we had like a a little tiny, tiny argument. A tiny, tiny argument. But he knew I was right. (laughs) I mean, listen, if I could give you like, okay, let me see if I can think of an example. I'll, I'll give you an example of when I was at the club. So I was, I don't know if I've talked about this yet. I was working when I was working at front desk and Michael was in sales and we were, did not get along at all. We didn't get along at all. He came up to me one day. So this is how it works. When you get a call and you're at the desk, there's two types of calls that you're going to get. Generally speaking, you'll get calls from a member and you get calls from a non-member and you have to ask. And we used to get shopped on this. Like people from corporate would call us to make sure that we were doing it right. And if we weren't doing it right, we would get in trouble or we got a call at the desk and it was like, how much is it to bring two kids in for the day? Even though you know the answer off the top of your head, you have to ask. Yeah, sure. Are you a member? Uh, no. Perfect. Let me get you over to the right person. They can go for prices or whatever. You know what I mean? And then you have to get like their name, their information. I know that it's like, it's a, it's a pain. And I know that it's not exactly the most comfortable and easiest thing to do, especially when you know the answer. Anyway, there's reasons why you transfer non-member calls to a membership person. And I did that, you know, just doing my job like normal. And Michael comes up to me. This is when we were not on good terms, remember? Um, <laughs> he comes up to me and he's like, so how much is it to add this? Or no, how much is it for two kids this age to come in for the day? And I was like, um, 26 bucks. He's like, and he started to cuss. He was like, yeah, so don't transfer me any more BS calls. Like, up in my face, like, went off on me. But the thing is, is, like, that type of behavior isn't abnormal for him. Even though he stopped doing that to me, he still does similar things to other people. So when I told him, I was like, bro, no. He did not like that. But he understood. He understood. And I said, listen, if you can show me x y and z like we'll talk about it but until that time like i gotta see improvement because i don't shouldn't say like that 
I, what I just said was like this behavior, this behavior, and I was very, I, I itemized it out. This, 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 this has to change clear across the board. Now he's not nearly as bad as he used to be. Like when he was with the way he was with me, he's not as extreme as that anymore, but he still has that in him. And I'm like, you cannot lead a team even with the leadership position you have now, like you cannot lead a team doing that type of thing. It's a liability. He got it. And it's funny how it seems like all this stuff is like stacked on top of itself. Um, Junior just had his kid and he's been a freak out mess, which is really sweet to see. Not because he's a mess, but just because when I think about Junior and like where, when I first met him, and like who he is now, completely not even like the same. I mean, he's the same person, but completely just fully like evolved. Like he stepped into like his next thing, like his butterfly wings are out. And it's just like, I sometimes look at him and I'm just like, I don't even recognize you. <laughs> um, and it's just really nice to see. Oddly enough, Junior knew about um, his pregnancy back Long before I knew about mine and my son was conceived first. So Tommy has, or excuse me, Thomas has three months over Junior's kid. It's three months older, excuse me. And I don't get like a bunch of time to spend with um, Junior or anything like that. Um, but when we do hang out, it's just weird how our conversations have shifted completely around the kids. And whereas before we would talk about all kinds of like, <laughs> all kinds of like really random off the wall things, everything from sex, of course, to like UFOs. Like Junior talks to me a lot about like, and I already knew this going into it, like about his fear about, you know, being a dad. And it's interesting to see how Junior has fully come around in his strained relationship with Miguel is healing now that he's starting to understand the pressure of being responsible for somebody else's life. It's weird. I feel like, I feel like, like Amir used to call kids do-overs. Um, I do. I feel like kids in a way are your, how do I say this? Not a do-over but it almost allows you to see yourself from the outside or something. I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to get too much into it. Okay. So first real day with the training wheels off the job and I'm not being, you know, followed around and trained in my new role. I get a call that our club out on the Marina, a fight has happened. A fight between what they described to me is a member and an employee. And the employee is a personal trainer, female, and <laughs> the person that she got into an altercation with is also a female. A member is what they're describing. And I drive out there after HR calls me first. And HR's like, hey, we'll send you the paperwork. Um, just interview everybody who was involved in the situation. Um, and report back to us, and we'll get the process started. So I was like, okay, cool, I can do that. Um, and as I was reading, as I was reading, like how the initial how the initial report came across from the general manager, mm -hmm. I was like, something's missing. Like something 
something about this doesn't make sense. Like this person that's fighting, you didn't put there, or the person, the member who got into the fight, like you didn't attach her membership number to her file or to the, to your report. That's interesting. Maybe you just, I thought, you know, maybe you didn't know who the member was. Maybe they weren't a regular, maybe it was like a one-off thing, um, which rarely ever, well, let me not say that. I was going to say rarely ever. It's rare for that to happen. Usually like when people fight at the gym, they've been around each other enough to know, well, I can't even say that. I was just going to say they usually aren't just like one-off visitors at the gym who happen to get into a fight. Um, Anyway, so I'm driving out there. It's a beautiful club, by the way. Like, it, honestly, in my opinion, it's like the n- next nicest club in the area, second to the club that I just came from. Anyway, I get there and I'm talking to the general manager and I just get a vibe that something's off. The general manager's name is Greg. Oh, and before I continue, I should say this. When I first started working in, when I first started doing this job, um, the district manager stuff, I spent every single day, kind of like when I started at the, at the, at my club I just got promoted from. I spent every day in a different club. I would do training every day at a different club. I would spend half my day doing training in the office. And the other half, I would spend solely doing housekeeping. The only difference is this time is everybody knew that I was the new district manager. And I did that on purpose because I wanted to win the favor of the people that work there in the club. Um, And also too, I did it because I wanted to set, set up expectation and a precedent that everybody is responsible for the four walls of the club it's not just you know if somebody takes a shit on the floor it's not just the housekeeping that has to clean it up you know what i mean anyway and at first people were people were like the housekeepers were some of the housekeepers were like um what do you mean you want what what do you mean what do you want me to do like because i would ask them like Hey, you got anything for me? Like, what can I do to help out? And they'd just be like, oh, uh, throw this trash away. And I was like, come on, you can do better than that. And then finally somebody called me on it and was like, somebody just took a giant dunk in the shower. And they were looking at me like, and I was like, without hesitation, I was like, I got you. I was not happy, but I got them. And I did what I had to do. I cleaned it up. Um, which is not abnormal for the job at all, unfortunately. Um, but I will tell you something. You clean up shit for somebody else, and they will love you forever. Well, forever meaning as long as it's convenient for them to love you, um, especially when you're at work. Anyway, so I say all that to say this. I go into this club. I'm interviewing Greg about what happened. He's the one who made the reports. Um, the girl is not at work. And I'm like, so who is this mystery member? He's like, oh, you know, he was really dismissive about it. And his dismissal sent off the red flag to my mind. And I was thinking, he knows this. He knows who the other person is and he's not telling me. Why? Why is he not telling me? And as I was wrapping it up for the day, it was like, it's like, there's like an Auntie Marcella in every single club. Um, One of the girls... I see one of the girls, excuse me, one of the women who work in housekeeping gave me that, that side eye, you know, that side eye, like, I got something to tell you. Um, and so I just went on the rest of my day. I acted like I was cleaning up and then I went and I found her and I was like, you got something to say. 
And she gave me a look like, um, I really shouldn't. I really should just keep my mouth to myself or my, keep, keep this to myself. But I could tell she wanted to spill it. And so I just sat there quietly and I waited. And she burst. She was like, the woman who came in here was his wife. And I was like, ah. Now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. And I said, why was his wife fighting? <laughs> I mean, I, it, it was self-explanatory to me at this point, but I wanted to hear it. I said, why was his wife fighting one of our employees? The employee, by the way, the trainer. Beautiful girl. Very fit, tight, everything. Long blonde hair. And she said, she looked at me like, come on. Like, were you born yesterday? And I was like, were they having an affair? And she just turned and went back to her work. I said, okay, that's all I needed to know. The thing being this, I mean, if it was a member, we probably would have investigated anyway. But if she had, a, I mean, she had a membership. But the thing is, is like, once you become, one of the perks of being like a GM is you can add your spouse onto your work account and your spouse can work out free. So her number would have been attached to his file and we would have all known like his wife was in here fighting. So HR comes in the next day and they are interviewing people and getting like, you know, testimony and viewing cameras of what happened. Um, conveniently enough, it happened in kind of a blind spot. So you could kind of see like where the altercation started, but it quickly moved out of the side of the cameras. And the whole time I can see Greg just on pins and needles, like very, just very uncomfortable. And eventually I was like, I got to put this guy out of his misery because, you know, because, and I told HR, I was like, hey, his staff informed me that the person that was fighting was his wife. And who started the altercation was his wife. And so HR comes in and they're doing their investigation. It looks a type of way, like everybody knows when HR's there. And if HR's in the manager's office and the manager is hype, like it's a, it's, it, it affects the whole, like everybody talks. And so I tell HR, um, let me just finish questioning like James or not James, ooh, Greg real quick. Um, before you guys come in and like really start to set things off, even though they've been cycling in and out and people are talking about it, like nobody really knows all of what's going on. And eventually I talked to Greg and I said, hey, just tell me what happened from the beginning. You know, and Greg's telling me all this stuff and he's sobbing and I'm like, just listening. But he said something that really kind of hit me. And he said, she made me feel like a man. And I was like, damn, I felt that shit. I don't know why. All of the, like, the, it's funny because, like, for so many other situations, I was kind of Christine. Not that I was openly trying to, like, seduce anybody or anything like that. But I just, I've had a lot of guys tell me that, tell me exactly what Greg is telling me. And it feels kind of like a double standard feels kind of like a double standard for me to act like I wasn't Christine. All the guys that have told me, you know, I feel, I feel 
I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. It's not like I felt like I was Christine in these situations as much as I felt, as much as I've heard, as much as what I've heard from people like Miguel or even Michael or James or others, um, that there was a sense of freedom, a sense of appreciation that they weren't receiving in their relationships that I brought to the table. And that's not me saying that it's right. It's not me condoning it. I'm just saying when he said it, it made it more real for me. Doesn't change what my decision or the outcome is going to be, but it made it real for me. And I have one last interview with um, Christine, who's fine. She's not like suffering any sort of injuries or anything like that. Somebody went up inside her head a couple of times. She's fine. And I talked to her. She tells me the ex- pretty much the same thing from her point of view. And she was just like, he's just so charming and he's so sweet and he's so funny and he deserves so much better than her. And then she just goes off. I'm the one he wants. He chose me. I got this. I got that. She's like running down her accolades about how great she looks. And she's a good looking girl. I'm not trying to deny her that. Um, but I was just like, you amateur, like, this is not how it works. And I said, Christine, he has a wife. He did not choose you. He chose her. Might not have been the smartest thing to tell her. But I hope she heard me. And then she was like, started cussing and all of this, like, you know what? I don't need that. F this. Um, and then she pulls out her phone. And she's like, I'm going to send out his tiny dick pics to everybody. And she like turns her phone and shows me like him. And I was just like, I don't want to see that, even though I wanted to look. I was like, oh, show me. Um, and she did. And it was, I mean, she said tiny. It was not tiny. It was like average. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, and she hits the share button. She's trying to share to Twitter. I said, Christine. You're upset right now, and I understand why you're upset. If you hit that send button, you are going to jail. Is it worth it? And she just kind of sat there. She put her phone down and crossed her arms. I said, do yourself a favor right now. Delete those pictures off your phone so you don't do something stupid later. And she did. So, cards are all laid out on the table. We know what happened. We know who did what to whom. We know why, you know, homegirl got attacked in the club. You would think the natural course of action would be to terminate Greg, right? That's what I thought. No. I submit my paperwork. I submit all my findings. Everything. And... HR sends me back a suspension letter. Not to me. HR sends back a suspension letter to deliver to him. Suspended from this date. Return start date. This date. And I was like, return? Return start date? And he's being paid during his suspension? That's not, that's not punishment. That's a, that's a vacation. And I was like, I started to make noise about it. I was like, this is not how this is supposed to go down. And the response that I got from HR was unsettling to me. 
And so I was just like beside myself. And I ran to James. Um, naturally, I ran to James and I was like, James, can you believe this? And I ran the whole situation to him. And he was like, Greg's best friends with our head of people ops. And I was like, oh my God, you got to be shitting me. He was like, yeah. And I was like, so what do I do? And James just shrugged. He was like, you could do what they asked you to do. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the CEO? And I thought about it. And I just thought, if I go to the CEO, I'm going to be a target. If I try to take this above people ops, I'm going to be the target. Everybody's going to look at me like a liability. I know how this game goes. Um, And so I just was like, wow. Wow. And I went to Christine. I actually happened to have an opening for a trainer at my old my old, the old club that I was GMing over, the club that I'm still based out of. Um, and I told Christine, like, hey, the spot's open if you want it. You'll have a full client. You'll be walking into a full clientele list. It'll essentially be a decent pay raise for you if you want to come over here. I just don't want to leave you in a situation. Like, literally, they offer no, like, hostile work environment. Like, hey, like you're putting these two people back to work together with nothing resolved between them. And so I was like, I need to get her out of here. And so I offered her the spot um, at my old gym, at my old, the club that I came from. And she was over the moon excited about it. And she is a fantastic, she's fantastic at her job. She's really great at her job. Oddly enough, Greg is not. I mean, I'm talking about besides, you know, fucking one of your employees. Like, numbers-wise, like, he's he's getting by, but he's just getting by. And I just thought, like, this is so unfair. But it's also, too, neither of them were innocent in the situation. So it's not like, I just didn't want to leave her there. And then I have to deal with being in that environment. You know what I mean? Anyway. All that's beside the point. Amir found this story remarkably entertaining because Amir runs his own everything, for the most part. Amir runs his own business, and he has final say on anything he wants to have final say on. And so when I was telling him about how, like, I was essentially overruled, he was like, wow, that is interesting. So the day finally comes. It's a Saturday. I get up. Um, and I, as soon as I get up, I start to feel like the nervousness that I feel like Amir has been going through. I'm nowhere near on Amir's level, but the past couple of weeks, like he's been, he's been okay, but he has been bouncing back and forth between like normal him and just like completely a wreck. And this morning is no different for him. Um, you know, he's stressed. He's not keeping anything down. He's crying and he's shaking and I'm just like what are we getting ourselves into Amir's fear has started to rub off on me and I'm terrified but I'm terrified like I would be terrified I feel like just meeting the parents you know what I mean but Amir is beside himself a wreck and I draw him a bath and I put him in and I just talk to him and I'm like hey I'm with you. 
I'm with you, you're with me, and we're going to be okay. And he just nods his head. Longest day ever. After the bath and after a lot of talking to and tea and lavender and everything I know to try to like cool him out without, you know, things that are more serious. Um, Amir's kind of chill, kind of. He's not talking. He just looks very still and serious. Like Amir, by the way, is considerably older than me, but he doesn't look it. But when he's like in this mode, like he 100% looks it. And finally, I just give him a kiss on the cheek and I'm like, babe, I got you. We're going to be fine. And he just gives me a tiny, tiny half smile. And that's enough for now. Finally, evening comes around. Three black SUVs pull into the gate. And I can almost feel Amir's body temperature like raising. And I'm starting to get like super nervous to where I'm like, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Because if I lose it, I mean, he'll probably just run. He'll probably just run and keep running till you know, he stops. But I take his hand. And in a way, I'm kind of excited. Because all this time, we've just been waiting. And now it's time for, it's time for action. And I'm ready. So instead of a name, we're just going to call Amir's dad, sir. That's pretty much all I call him anyway. Sir comes in. It's a grandiose entrance, not, you know, super grandiose, but I mean, like, anytime somebody comes in and they're escorted by their own security people, two guys, two big guys, it was grandiose to me. I was like, oh, boy. And I reach out and shake his hand. He doesn't say shit. He doesn't, he doesn't look at me hardly. He looks at me almost like, what are you doing with your hand? <laughs> and I'm like, it's nice to meet you. Doesn't say anything to Amir. Walks in. Amir kind of like bows. And he just walks in, looks around Amir's place. And it's just awkward and mean. And I'm just like, have respect. I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel the same way that I did when um, we met those guys from Santa Cruz. I'm just like, I don't like, I don't like, first of all, I don't like disrespect, period. But especially when it comes to, like, Amir, I don't know why I'm so protective. Like, I hate it. And so now I'm starting to get salty. And I can feel Amir starting to, like, warn me, like, hey, this isn't abnormal. Don't freak out. Don't do anything crazy. It was tough, though. We go through dinner, barely speaking. Finally, when dinner's over, he asked me, so... You work at the gym? I said, yes, I still work at the gym. Indicating that, like, I remember when he came to visit me. Um, and he asked me a little bit about my work and what I do, and I tell him. Um, and, like, as I'm talking to him, he doesn't even, like, look at me in the eyes. He's looking straight at Amir, and Amir's looking at his plate. And I'm just like, this is so weird. This is so weird. Finally, I get done telling Amir's dad, my life story, not really, but you know, my work story. And I'm just kind of like, that's all I got to say. And he's staring at Amir and he takes his hand and he's moving his finger back and forth between Amir and me. And he says, This, what you got going on here? 
this ends and you come back home and Amir is stoic. I don't have anything to say. And then Amir takes his hand with the ring on it and he holds it up for his dad. And in what seems like the hardest thing he's probably ever done, he says, no. And I see Amir's father look at the ring and the reaction is instant. Like you would have thought, you would have thought, you would have thought somebody started shooting. This man went all the way the fuck off. And the thing is, is like, he was speaking in his language. I didn't understand what he was saying, but I knew like, this is definitely not, this is not a celebration. And he starts to scream and yell and he stands up. And I thought he was about to throw his plate, but he did it. And he's like pointing at a mirror and pointing at me and he's saying all kinds of crazy shit. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And Amir looks at him and he's talking back to him in his language. And when Amir stands up, I was like, whoop. And I just kind of like sunk down in my seat. Like Amir can, Amir can turn on some power when he wants to. I'm just like, whoa. And he's saying something back to him and I don't get it. I don't get any of what they're saying back and forth to each other. And then finally, Amir reaches into his pocket and pulls out his phone. And he looks at me right before he does it. And I see him doing something. And he sets his phone down on the table and slides it over to his father. I can't see the video that's playing, but I can hear it. Something that's very familiar. It's loud moaning that's very, very familiar. And Amir sits back down. And Amir's father is staring at this phone. You would have thought steam would come out of his ears. But he's not saying anything. He's just watching this video. And I'm like, oh my God. And I like bury my hands in my face. I mean, I'm sorry. I bury my face in my hands. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. All these lovemaking sessions, me and Amir had these crazy fuck sessions where Amir's having me fuck him crazy and recording it. Yeah. And Amir says, you will understand me. You are now solely responsible for my peace of mind. I will not go back. I will not leave if anything happens. If I see your people following me, if I feel uncomfortable in any sort of way, everyone that you know will get this video. <clears throat> Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, yeah, basics. Let's get to the basics. Um, again, thank you for the five-star ratings. Thank you so much for those. If you're listening on Apple, um, what is it? Apple iTunes? I, I, Apple Podcasts? Apple Podcasts? Um, would you consider consider leaving a review it goes a long way in helping expand the family and if you're on like spotify the five star ratings do a whole lot 
um what else what else what else let's keep the conversation going if you have any questions or anything for me or you know you want to tell me how you felt about the episode but don't want to leave it in the little thing below um reach out to me hit up my uh get in my dms i check all of them um it's at call me mr brooks on twitter if you don't have twitter um you can always email me too mr.brooksconfesses at gmail.com thank you so much for listening <laughs>